Happy New Year, friends! This is the Sustainable Jungle Podcast, where we share uplifting stories from people all over the world working to make positive change. I'm Joy, and in this episode, we chat to Tomas and Cello, founders of deep travel ecotourism company, the Oropopo Experience in Costa Rica. Their mission is to take you deeper, show you incredible experiences, and help support rural and local communities. We spent two weeks hanging out with these two passionate biologists in San Jose as well as in the jungles and towns of rural Costa Rica. Through Arapapo, we got to explore the things which were most interesting to us, which, as you know, revolve around sustainability and conservation. Among the many other experiences, we got to see a remarkable example of urban ecology at the University of Costa Rica, learn about the fine art of making chocolate at a sustainable cacao plantation, meet Costa Rica's best wildlife artist, trek through the jungle in Corcovado National Park, and boat through the waterways around the sustainable town of Tortuguero. It was quite the epic adventure, and at the end we sat down with Tomás and Cello to chat about what floats their boats, mindfulness in nature, their favourite moments in wild places, why Costa Rica is winning at conservation and renewable energy, and thoughts on becoming a more sustainable person. We recorded this episode on the banks of the Tortuguero River, so you will hear the sounds of birds, boats, and locals going about their business. We hope that you enjoy the discussion and the ambience. You'll also be able to find the show notes and the links at sustainablejungle.com forward slash podcast. So let's get stuck in with the Oropopo experience. We have been here for almost two weeks in Costa Rica, traveling around this country with Team Oropopo, Tomás and Marcello, and we've just had the most amazing time. I just want to quickly find out a bit more about each of you so that the listeners can get an idea as to who you are and where you've come from. Cello, maybe we'll start with you. Where were you born and where did you grow up? I grew up 10 minutes away from Central Parks of San Jose. I had the chance that my parents, they used to go out on the weekends, you know, on the countryside, on the beach. So luckily I had the chance of growing up close to the coast some way. Tomas, you're the same? Born and raised in San Jose? More or less. Actually, I, I was born in San Jose City, but actually I grew up in the, in the South Pacific region of, of Costa Rica. And the reason is because my dad, uh, he was a farmer, and our farm was, and actually it's still there. We got to, to grow up there, and of course it was a very close contact to the old natural world down in Osa. Around that region of Sierpe, there's a lot of mangrove forests, a lot of rivers. Um, also, we went to the beach very often because it's close by. And when I moved to San Jose, it was also to a kind of a countryside area. So, yeah, my, my whole life has been close to, to wildlife and, and natural scenarios. So it seems like there's a theme for both of you. Both of you have been exposed to that uh, at a very young age. Many Costa Ricans, you know, like in general, most of Costa Ricans, we have that uh, kind of sensitivity for, for natural uh, world. I'm curious to know what moment or experience or event in your life that made you decide, I want to work with wildlife, I want to work in the sustainability of this country. Was there a particular mm -hmm. moment? Was it a progression? I blame a lot my childhood. And we went in a lot of fishing trips and I, and I remember that I was a little kid, but I enjoyed like extra the going out in the river and like being out and the mosquitoes and being late and I was like all excited <laughs> usually <laughs> and I remember when they fish I was more interested like in the animal itself or the, the trees itself and it was like when I was 13 or 14 that I decided that I wanted to study biology that it's quite young which is interesting because you, yeah. you were telling us that you were a musician right and quite an accomplished musician so you yeah, could have yeah, gotten yeah. these two parts yeah yeah that, that was like a kind of a teenage dream <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but 
but no, I, I believe I believe wildlife and nature goes goes even farther uh, before. Why is nature important to you? Why do you care about it? Why do you make it your career? What I don't like about human beings is that and I believe that in general we're we're taught to think like we own nature, you know, and we, and we don't feel a part of nature. Uh, when you study ecology and you start finding the relationships between animals, plants, uh, fungi, bacteria, and all of the, the living and non-living things. You notice that, that everyone is connected to everyone. You can start making chains. You know, if, if this is connected to this and this one is connected to this, you know, and then you will find that basically everyone in some part of the chain is connected. Uh, we are in part of that, of that chain, in a part of that balance. So I believe that nature must be the most important thing for us because it's, it's what we are a part of. <laughs> you know, we don't own it. We don't own it, and that's something that I believe that some people think, you know, that they see nature and they say, oh, how beautiful, what should we do with this place? You know, just that feeling is that this place is mine, and, and this is for the humans, and the humans, we have to see what we do with this, and no, you know, humans, we're, we're a part of this, you know, we have to learn what is our, our role here, our, our part in the ecosystem, and try to minimize our impact in, in the ecosystem, because the ecosystem, it's us, you know, it's where we come from. That, that's why, for me, nature, it's like, like, most important thing that, that we should focus on. For me, it's a connection and an escape at the same time. It's like so usual that you just are on the field, like sharing with people or sharing with kids there, and you just forget about everything else, and you just connect. And then once you get back on San Jose and you start like doing some desktop work of like for Puerto Popo, that you know is something that I love and everything. I start to get knobs, I start to get like, okay, a little bit tensions, I have to go outside and, and you know, get to see the birds a little bit on the garden before I get back to, to start on the desktop. So for me, nature, it's, I would say, a lifestyle and a hobby at the same time. And if not, who knows if a religion, you know, maybe I don't give it much of a thought, but it's what it gets to silence my mind and to keep me quiet. Oh. Yeah, we've talked a lot about mindfulness on this trip and mm -hmm. how being out in nature is makes you feel. I mean, mm. we've used the same the same terminology, but feeling connected. But that also that being present and being aware of your surroundings and what's going on around you is like a really nice way to sort of rest your mind in a way. So it it, it changes your brain, mm. surely, you know, and, and it that that's tested and. And it changes, it changes your brain. You know that the good feeling that you get, it's it's not by, it's not a, it's not magic. Exactly, it's not magic. It's not a casual thing. It's studies. It's, it's magic, exactly. but of a different kind. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. And it's because we're humans and part of the ecosystem. Yeah, it's where we're supposed to be, not behind desks. Uh, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that, that's that's the thing. And, and as Cello says, it's a, it's basically we, we have turned it into into a lifestyle. <laughs> you know, basically, you no know, nature is our thing. To say it like in more. In a, in a short phrase, nature is our thing. Yeah, we're we're yeah, like yeah. I don't know having lunch, and there's one bird. Or ah man, you know which one is that? Check out what what he's doing. He's he's feeding another bird, or you know exactly. like oh check out these ants. You know they're or I don't know whichever observation we just have. Like you know it's something happening around us. Meanwhile, we're just on our small universe of oh, I don't know that smartphone or whatever you know, and then we realize that there's. A completely whole dynamic happening all around you. If you're not, you know, present, 
You just miss it. And we've certainly observed that walking around with you guys. We can't even walk 100 meters without finding about 10 different species and, yeah. you know, investigating. And yeah. we can't sit and have an interview without, like, oh, there's the green macaws and yeah, there's exactly. that bird. And the, yeah, so it's great. Yeah, we, we have that. We have that. And that's something that is hard to, to take off. Yeah. <laughs> you're, like, so tuned in to uh, the... Exactly, yeah. exactly. Like, you're always... You're, we're always paying attention to, <laughs> to especially when we're in a, in a place like this that is, you know, so biodiverse that mm. we know that... No, I have my binoculars right here. No, and I will have them always because anytime, you know, Tortuga is a place where, you know, a manatee could, could come out there or dolphins or so, so you have to be prepared. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a crazy place. Yeah. It is so hopefully wild. it's contagious also, you know, it's something that we don't have to push into exactly. the people. What we get to share and what we Costa Ricans get to experience is just going to be uh, really touchy and, and really contagious that, you know, you don't have to push into people. Hey, nature is important for this, nature is important for that. You know, everybody's going to have a different answer why nature is important or they're going to have no answer, but they're going to be feeling it. At, at uh, the end of the day, a lot on, on what we try to do is not to, you know, pass so much knowledge that we study, I don't know, five years on, on the academy and everything. Uh, oh, we want to transmit the feeling because that's what lasts. You know, we're not, you're not going to know that you know, the green great macaw is called Ara and Vivo. You know, that's, that's whatever. But you might get to remember, like, that's, you know, like, it's like <laughs> a really, I don't know, Jurassic sound or, you know, mm -hmm. like really tropical. And that their colors, they are stunning. And we only got to see maybe three of them. They were really far. But when we got to see them, we were got so excited because there is only a thousand left. A question we love to ask anybody working in wildlife. What are some of the most memorable moments or experiences with animals you've had? One that I appreciate a lot is uh, first year on the university. They took us to this biological reserve that is part of the School of Biology. And being there in the middle of San Jose, where right now is the butterfly garden, that same spot, we're standing collecting some data. To, so later on, we could do some homework with all the info there. Uh, it came this beautiful bird perch in the front, it had a long tail, you know, blue colors, bright green and blue. As one of the assistants, hey, bro, what's with that? And he told me, oh, that's a monmouth. What? You know, this, this, this is a monmouth and it's common? Yes, it's of San Jose. I said, well, you know, I have been living 18 years in San Jose. I have never seen this. And we paid them more, more attention because we had some binoculars and it was holding a snake. Uh, we got to see the pattern of the snake it was yellow, red, and black. It was a coral snake. Uh, a mud mud brain in the middle of San Jose, uh, you know. Holding a coral snake. Yes, it, I don't know if, if it was a, a real coral snake or a false coral snake, because there are some that they are not poisonous. All my life, I have been living on San Jose, and I never knew about this special place uh, here on San Jose, and this special bird, and now it's one bird that it's one of my favorites, the Monmots. I have a tattoo of it. I, I like to show people this bird. Uh, it's a really, let's say, peaceful bird. It's not dancy, so it's it's kind of a friendly. Very impactful moment. What about you, Thomas? Mm -hmm. the, the nicest one, and, and there's those experiences that make you fall in love with, with, with this lifestyle more and more. There was this, this waterfall. It's close to a farm of my family where I used to go since I was a little kid. And uh, then when I started biology, I started going even more to that waterfall in a river that is called Tiribi River. It's, it's close, very close to my house. It's a farm that it was of my, of my grandfather. So it passes through generations and generations. So I have like a, 
like a strong feeling to, to that farm. Basically what happened was that once I was reading in, in the bird book about the, the reproduction of, of, the, um, of a group of birds that are called sweets, and there is a group of, of them that, that they nest actually behind waterfalls, you know, be, behind falling water on a rock. And, and I read that the TDB River was one of the most important places for the nesting of these, of these birds. And I knew that in TDB River, you know, we had waterfalls that I, that I knew very well. Swifts are very rare animals. Actually, they are very common and abundant, but they fly very high, so we usually don't see them. They nest in vertical walls behind waterfalls in very remote places, so nests of swifts is something that is very, very hard to find. It's not everywhere that you can find, you know, a colony of, of swifts. And basically, I, I asked a teacher and he told me, uh, ah, yeah, actually, uh, Mr. Gary Stiles, that he was the, the person that wrote the Costa Rica's bird book, an amazing ornithologist from the US. He, he told me he, he worked in that river with, with swifts and actually he made a lot of, of research with swifts. TDB River, it's a very long river, you know, so I knew he probably he was working some place of the river. But when I got the paper that, that Mr. Gary Stiles wrote and I saw they, they did a map of the river where they found the nests of, of the swifts and I was like, Wait a second, <laughs> you know, this is the same place of the, of the waterfall of where my family has gone the whole life. And it happened that one week later I was there with two friends. We waited like for one hour, one hour and a half. It was already like 4.35 and we were very cold and nothing was happening. So we were already like packing to leave. Suddenly there were, you know, dozens of swifts coming down and, and flying and they got into the waterfall and they started circling around and, and we saw where they got behind the, 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 the plants and, to, and, and the water behind it and we lighted them up and we saw them all perching right there. I, I have never seen a, a swift perching in my life in a vertical wall like this. Groups of five or five or six of them together. Uh, and that was that was truly amazing because it was a place that I have been there, you know, hundreds of times in my life and I have never seen that. You know, I had no idea that that amazing ecological process was going on right in my nose. <laughs> and I had no idea because I have never been uh -huh. in that place in uh, or early morning or late afternoon. <laughs> Just zooming back to talking about Costa Rica being a progressive country when it comes to sustainability and conservation. What are some of the initiatives in this country that you're most excited about? You know, we're a country like any other. We have our struggles. You know, we struggle a lot with rush hour on, on San Jose and we have our challenge of, you know, making aware people about uh, recycling and solid waste. But our grandpas, and I, you know, formally say grandpas, they had the initiative of start the national park system. That is something that is well known. It's really unique from, from Costa Rica is that once we bought 25% of the land, unprotected land, you know, owned by the government or a small set of uh, private reserve, also the government came with this PES, you know, the Payment for Environmental Services. That is a program where the government start paying landowners to keep their forest without being touched. And this program is the landowner who has to take charge of, of their small patch of forest of their maybe 20 hectares. And, you know, every year, if it's well taken care, they're going to give around thousand dollars per hectare for a standing forest more or less mm -hmm. and you know thousand dollars might not be a, a lot but if you have 20 or 100 or you know if, you, if you're thinking of developing the place you would also have to invest a lot of energy that sometimes is even easier just to you know protect the whole place and be paying that way and you know it sounds like a lot of money also that the government has to invest on these landowners nonetheless this money is paid many times by, by 
private companies, for example, rent-a-cars or hotels that they decided to become uh, carbon neutral. You know, mm. they kind of measure their uh, footprint of how much gas they get to waste on their operations, and they get to pay a carbon bonus that eventually this money is taken by the government. Also, the carbon fuels here, for example, gasoline and diesel, they have a tax that it's destined to um, finance all these programs of PES. PES is not only environmental services of forests or of air, it's also water and environmental services of pollination. You know, so it's trying to get into the economy all these processes and all these resources that we give for granted and you know get them on the table and say, okay, these are my tokens. It's not only money, but it's like what we get to drink and what we get to breathe and eventually hopefully we get to at least you know set up a different kind of economy that is an idealism it's a market there is also some speculation of it but as far as i know there's really few uh, countries in the world that they have like this kind of system to grant the the conservation of the environment on a on an economic scale we know that you guys have recently had a change in government are there any policies or initiatives or laws that you're hoping to see be amended or changed in the next five years or so? Well, we have a really good Minister mm -hmm. of Environment right now, mm -hmm. or at least it's somebody that we're gonna push since he has been deep into the jungle, has been lost on Corcoao National Park, look, looking after <laughs> a taper, that's what they say. It's called uh, Carlos Manuel Rodriguez, and you know I want to you know, point out some attention over it because he has big, big challenges, you know, like, um, here, the national parks, they have a lot of resources, but all the bureaucracy, all the paperwork, they're kind of asphyxiating all the initiatives that they have. There is, with energy, there is a big topic. So basically, for example, he, the, the, the actual president, he's a lot into, into clean uh, energies for transportation. And the experts say that Costa Rica has enough energy to move, for example, our whole uh, public transportation, thanks to hydrogen, for example. Of course, they require it. As you know, for, for them to, to be actually real, it's going to take not one government, probably not two, but it's, it's a long process. Um, but, but there's things that, that, that they're realities now, and, and, and actually they, they, make us, they make us happy. Also regarding conservation, for example, Mr. Carlos, he is very well aware of the problem with national parks. Uh, you know, we were talking the other day, there is uh, 450 park rangers in this country. Um, and, and each one need, uh, has like 5,000 hectares at, at, yeah. at each one uh, to, to protect, you know, if you, if you do the math. So, so he's very well aware of the, the very reduced personnel that, yeah, that, that, that he actually got, got to sue the government last year with another mm -hmm. exactly. conservationist. So it's kind of funny that now he's on the, on the chair, you know, and he has to, you know, give the face, okay, well, you, you are suing yourself right now. How you <laughs> you get to respond to that? So. Exactly, but but it's a person that that is well aware of problems and, and a person that that, that we be, that we believe in him. Yeah, we, we truly believe in him, and uh, we will see. Of course, uh, we we don't we cannot uh, cover up that. For example, the, this government belongs to a party that is called uh, PAC, and and PAC regarding environment hasn't been the best. You know, actually, in my opinion, it's like the the weakest. Uh, they had already a government, and it was kind of the weakest, especially in the oceans and and the and the regulations for. For fisheries and other kinds of things, they haven't been as as, as present as they should have been. So, so there, there as Shell was saying, there, there's also struggles, but but there's a lot of things that, that at least for for us, uh, they're they're looking they're looking that the things are, are are getting better. Yeah, the things are surely getting better right now. We're 
almost 100% Costa Rica is producing our the our energy uh, in, in, in re our electricity in renewable uh, ways mostly water but there's also wind there's also solar there's also biomass there's also geothermal that's an area where we have explored a lot and we have done very good we even export some some electricity so this is also also very important the, how everything started was basically the creation of the park system some 50 years ago and the beginning of these kinds of places like Tortuguero, Monteverde and other, and other towns around that they showed that really you know your, your culture and your nature can give you a, a very good lifestyle kind of that what, what bring, brought this country to be what it is today. I think it's really cool that your environment minister got lost in Cork about it. Yeah, yeah that's very cool. <laughs> I think every environment minister should get lost exactly. in an actual park. That no, should be part of the... Exactly. No, really, how, how things work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how things are. We've had the most wonderful couple of weeks with you guys doing some incredible trips. But for the benefit of the listeners who haven't been there enjoying every moment like we have, maybe you can give a summary of the types of experiences that the Oropopo experience provides? Uh, we have the campus tour in the university. That's our, our downtown city city experience. Uh, we also have some highland experience in Turrialba volcano uh, that we also got to visit, going to see an active volcano, you know, a nice cultural contact. Uh, and also we have some lowland, uh, also one day tour uh, that it's to the Central Pacific. It's nearby, one hour from San Jose. Lots of interesting things to see wild things, historic uh, things, and also nice culture. Um, those are like our three one-day destinations, all of them very close to the city. Um, but also, guys, you know, we, we can arrange uh, any kind of tour to, to different spots uh, far away from San Jose. So, um, we love is to, you know, set out itineraries for our guests of like seven days. Exactly. And personalize, you know, mm -hmm. you know, if someone tells us we, we like this, that's perfect for us because we can, we can get the itinerary and focus it on, on what that person needs and then exactly examples uh, Osa you know Osa Peninsula you got to do it uh, Charlotte got the good friends of Osa Wild there we offer you know that that choice of having this kind of, of activity there uh, this place where we are right now uh, Tortuguero and, and San Francisco this is another another great experience that, that we know very well that we can also help uh, anyone interested in, in coming to this paradise uh, help you organize and, and get in, in touch with with Ana Rita and Mochi and all of the all of our friends around here. Let's chat about Cope. Cope, as Chelo was saying, it's uh, probably the best uh, wildlife artist that we have in, in in this country. He's a great drawer, a great a great painter of, of wildlife uh, scenes. He's also a great photographer, uh, but mostly him for getting all of the information for his for his art and, and for his photographs. He has to has a whole life of going out to the field looking for these animals and looking for these uh, for these situations and that has uh, made him a, a great guide and, and, and a person that he knows his forest like no one else so he knows details that, that really no, no one else knows and then you could go to the same forest take a walk you will see a couple of birds and a couple more things if you go with Cope you will see the tent making white bats which we the, saw exactly which we saw uh, the crested owls, which we saw, which we saw the, the toucans and, and the, the nests of trogons mm. and these kinds of, of interesting, interesting. The nest of the woodpecker, you know, the, these are things that, that are not easy to find. Details you'd absolutely miss if you didn't. That is, is, is your your is your local connection with the forest over there. Exactly. If you go without coffee, you don't get to know the forest. Exactly, exactly. I, I wouldn't recommend to go there without coffee. 
you know, it makes no sense. <laughs> you have to go with him. What I love about Kobe is he's taken the urban ecology idea to the extreme, hasn't yeah. he? <laughs> he's yeah. got this little patch of jungle at his house, yeah. his own little jungle in an in an urban area. Yeah, he has worked his his garden very well. So it's a small, a small house in a exactly. It's kind of a rural area, but it's pasture mostly around it. And he's got his big garden with his lots, toucans, birds, I, a pond. A, a water, <laughs> it's amazing. And I've never seen that that many hummingbirds in one little spot as I have at Copes, and that was amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, Cope is a visit that, that is actually it's really worth it. And afterwards, he shows you your art and his art, and you can get to, to support him with that or, or just admire you know, his, his art because it's really, it's really amazing. And then you have to also take at least two or three hours to check Fofo's uh, cacao farm. You know? Yeah, that, that's the that's next a small mm -hmm. tour that you know, was set as an educational tour. You know, cacao, it's. Um, or cocoa, as you call it, is big time here in Costa Rica. And he decided to, to do it a little bit uh, deeper, you know, show you the whole process of cacao and what does it mean cacao for our culture? How does chocolate is made? Why chocolate was important for our indigenous people? And why cacao plantations, they serve as tools for conservation. That's the most interesting thing. You know, you're not just going for a chocolate tool. You're going for an uh, experience of conservation. We enjoyed that experience as well, Look, learning about how cacao plants grow their incredible seeds from the tree trunks mm -hmm. um, and finding bats and little froggies mm -hmm. as well on the tour, which is something mm -hmm. I didn't And the chocolate, let's not miss the chocolate, oh, which yeah, was delicious. Was, and organic was, sugar, and it was just uh, probably the best, some of the best chocolate I've ever tasted. But I loved, I loved Fofo's mm. message, which was you know that you can you can do all these things together in harmony with nature and you can you can build your process into the the mm -hmm. conservation of the forest which is pretty cool more than than the chocolate tour is a conservation project mm -hmm. and that's what is most interesting about you know getting to learn why tell us why Oropopo, why the name okay well, it's a Oro, fun name to say but Oropopo what is, is it? A, <laughs> a, yes it, it sounds funny because it's actually an onomatopoeia of the call of a bird that gets yeah. Yeah. Local name and indigenous name. It was a bird that it was uh, sacred for our indigenous people. Since owls, they kind of have uh, this mystical presence. And usually owls, it's something that you don't get to spot on the first time that you could visit a place unless you really hear and look after them. Owls, they are the best hunters of the night. And we, have, we want to be like, like the other people, like the spectacle owl, you know. That's uh, the English name, spectacle owl, that has this capacity to to see what others they cannot see. So this is kind of our task, you know, to show you, to uh, broadcast you all these uh, ecosystems and people around. That any other way, you would go with a big tour agency, and you would get to miss it. You would go to with these vacational packages, and you would miss. It. You know, like we want to be more like your connection, you know. So we had the idea of making something different, you know, trying to, to come up with something new and, and do it better than most people were doing it. And and that's basically it. That's basically what, what we try, you know, we're biologists and we and we go deeper in the landscape. You know, usually in the in the wildlife landscape, in the cultural landscape, we like to go deeper a little bit, you know, so basically with us you get to see owls. <laughs>
No, if you come with us, you will really get to every place that we go. Go deep in in the landscape. Go deep in the in the rainforest. Go deep in the communities. You know, and really get a get a close look of, of what's going there. I've seen you guys use the word uh, deep traveling quite a bit, which I we like. We use it quite as a, a ta- ta- yeah. hashtag. Hashtag. Now. Yeah, <laughs> deep travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure, like okay, I'm ready to get into it. I know that this is not the most outback country of Latin America. There is many others that you have to do deep traveling to get into the Amazon, to get to know indigenous community. Here from San Jose, you can go and check out some indigenous community. Several hours, but you know, on other places you have to go for days. But here we try to do as deep traveling as possible. So we've had the most wonderful introduction to Oropogo and we're so excited about your business and your your ethos and your approach to running a tourism business that's really focused on rural and ecotourism and sustainability. Mm-hmm. What's next for you guys? What's What does 2018 hold and, and beyond? I think that the challenge for us is, you know, having a good amount of volume to like encourage all the local actors that we like to connect with in and we like to bring people to make tours on their places without being too big you know because eventually if you get to have a, a big volume you're gonna get to lose the details uh, and the idea is to to stay on an equilibrium also most of our friends they are also passionate biologists or ecologists or naturalists and is getting to set the map on the team, also that they use Oropopo as a bridge to fulfill their their expectations, their projects. It can be from uh, research, you know, with communities to also um, bringing them out their their passions. You know, if somebody likes the mountain hiking, you know, to get him to show other people a different way, a different perspective. We always ask for advice, tips, tricks to either live a, a more connected life mm-hmm. to nature or to create a career for yourself in nature. What is the, what would you say, what would, advice would you want to send out to the world? I don't know, maybe going back a little bit to, to what we're talking, I, I truly believe that, that we have to, first things first, we have to look at, at the natural world. And that's, that's why, I, why I would say to everyone, you know, if, you, if you're living a life very far away from the natural world, find a way to get a little bit closer to it. Yeah. Um, no, because I, I believe that's 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 truly the way uh, to start understanding things, and that will take you by itself, basically, to to be a more sustainable person. I believe. Think a lot about your actions, about your day to day. You know, think a lot, and not just think, okay, I'm doing this, and that's right. Think about the connections. You know, these connections that we're talking about. Everything is connected with everything, like in the rainforest. You know, the, the flower is connected to the pollinator and the pollinator to its predator and its predator to other prey, you know. So everyone is, everyone is connected and, and same as, you know, every, like, like that thing, you know, you buy a pineapple in the supermarket. Not, not just buy a pineapple in the supermarket. Think about where that pineapple might come. Research about pineapple. What can I do? Um, you know, I, I usually say it's not that don't eat pineapple. No, it's not like, I, I hate pineapple, don't eat pineapple. Just try to understand pineapple. You know, and, and, and try to do this with each activity that you do. You know, study it, you know, check it out, make some research and, and find out what ways are possible for you to reduce as much as you can your impact over the natural world. It's not that we're not going to have an impact. It's not that you have to stop doing everything that has an impact. Just try to analyze it, be very aware and try to minimize it. That is 
excellent advice, and I think that you should build it into the Aropopo Experience Mindfulness Tour. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I think Chela's going to teach yoga. Chela yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I got my certification, but I'm on the way. Final question. Where can people find you guys? How okay. can they support you? Mm -hmm. So we try to keep updated our Instagram, Aropopo. Uh, lower slash experience and every once in a while we connect more with local people of, of Costa Rica through Facebook you know Facebook is more about events uh, I don't know like uh, open houses about any tour or we try to make a group for to visit Tortuguero on a specific days for locals open to foreigners also but you know those are our main feeds and we have our webpage oropopoexperience.com uh, feel free to check us out if you want to write us a message or give us a phone call just for an advice maybe we're happy to help you and to connect with you with the right people guys thank you so much for the most amazing two-week experience joy and i have truly utterly and thoroughly enjoyed ourselves in costa rica so really, uh, you know, coming to visit us and, and supporting us, it's, it's not supporting Oropopo, but it's supporting, you know, conservation and supporting sustainability and supporting families in this place. So yeah. really, right. really thank you very much. We so enjoyed our time with these two nature lovers and have firmly placed Costa Rica at the top of our visit again one day list. For us, the key takeaway from the experience and this discussion was to be present to notice what's around you, to make sure you're spending enough time in wild places and that what you do matters, so be thoughtful with your choices. Also, did we mention you should visit Costa Rica? <laughs> Thank you again for being here. We're thankful for your time and we can't wait to do it all again in a few weeks. <laughs>